More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast. Welcome back in. Hour number three, Friday edition. Hope all of you are having fantastic Friday so far as we prepare to roll into the weekend. I'm excited to be back here alongside a Buck. Amazing time down in Australia. We bring in now our regular guest, czar of all things Trump legal related, particularly January 6th. She is Julie Kelly. Julie, I hope you had a good new year and a good Christmas as well. We appreciate you joining us. I said earlier on the show that I'm increasingly of the opinion that Jack Smith is not going to get his trial in, in Washington DC related to Jan 6th before the election. Um, because I think the Supreme Court's going to have to weigh in on a variety of these charges. How would you assess the timeline? I think you have tweeted as well that there's no way the early March trial date is happening. Where are we now on these trials? Um, hey, guys, thanks for having me on. Uh, happy hey. New Year. Happy Eve of um, Fed Direction Day. If you're in Australia, it might already be Fed Direction Day. There, I'm not sure. Um, it is. So, it's January 6th already in Australia right now. All right. Well, celebrate accordingly. Watch yes. out for the FBI informants lurking around. Um, so, I mean, I think it's a pretty safe bet that the March 4th trial date is off. I mean, here we are, you know, 60 days out. There are a lot of deadlines that have been put on hold by the court because the immunity issue is now uh, before the appellate court on Tuesday that will make its way to the Supreme Court eventually. So it's a pretty safe bet the March 4th trial date is off. Does that mean that they will hold off before Election Day? I'm not so sure, possibly. But to your point, uh, you know, this immunity issue and Judge Chutkin denying Trump's claims of presidential immunity from this criminal prosecution definitely has to be settled by the Supreme Court because, of course, this is unprecedented. The Supreme Court has never weighed in on whether a president or former president is protected from criminal prosecution for activity that uh, was conducted while he was president in office. 
So that that could be. Now, how that fits in with the classified documents trial in southern Florida, uh, you know, that's still up in the air, too. That trial date, all of the pretrial uh, schedule is on hold there as well, as what's happening in the D.C. case sort of makes its way through the court system. So it's very complex, very convoluted. Um, but look, Jack Smith and the DOJ, as you know, they're not going to adhere to any norms or any rules or standard operating procedure in terms of not bringing a criminal prosecution before an election. We already know that they violate that brazenly. And so it's not like if this trial can move forward after a Supreme Court ruling in June, that they put this on trial, that they put them on trial in July or August, will they do it? Absolutely. So, Julie, as these um, these trials are maybe going to happen, we don't really know what's going on. Do you think Jack Smith has foreseen uh, what's going on here? Or is there a little bit of panic in the walls are closing in Democrat precincts, if you will, right? You know what I mean? The people that are like, oh, we finally got Trump. He's finally going to be convicted and maybe we'll even be able to get him under home confinement or some kind of a, a sentence like that. Are, are they panicking a little bit that Jack Smith might have messed up? I mean, is is this starting to tr- trickle down, do you think, or is this more or less what, uh, what was expected by the special counsel? No, I mean, I think the left and the Democrats have to be panicking about what's happening with this D.C. trial. Uh, you know, it, it could be a matter of time before Jack Smith gets criticism from his own side waiting until August 1st of this of last year to bring this four count sort of flimsy, really flimsy indictment against Donald Trump for January 6th, lifting most of the verbiage from the January 6th Select Committee. But even at greater risk, uh, and you, we've talked about this, than the immunity issue is that two of the four counts in Jack Smith's criminal indictment against Trump for January 6th could be reversed by the Supreme Court before they even handle the immunity issue. And that is this 1512C2 obstruction of an official proceeding statute. The Supreme Court granted cert in that matter last month. They will be reviewing how DOJ intentionally misinterpreted the vague language in that statute to use it against 300-plus J6ers and Donald Trump. If the Supreme Court comes back and rules that the district court has misapplied that statute, that it misinterpreted it, then that has huge consequences for Jack Smith's indictment. So then what does he do next? I am still not completely convinced, as we've talked about for over a year, he won't file a superseding indictment simply because that 1512C2 charge is that is such in jeopardy. So I could sense some criticism heading Jack Smith's way. Also knowing that the immunity issue for President Trump had to be settled before the trial could move forward, that they waited until August to file this indictment. They pushed for a quick trial. Judge Chutkin granted that. This is a crisis of their own making, both Judge Chutkin and Jack Smith. So what what happens now? Yes, I'm sure there's quite a bit of panic in the special counsel's office. All right, let's talk about timing. You mentioned that March 4th initial trial date. I, I don't think that there's been any official acknowledgement. There's no way on the planet that's happening, right? So this case is not starting in March. So I think we can toss that out the window. If the Supreme Court waits until June, uh, they can wait till late June, I think, on the calendar to release all of their different opinions. 
the absolute, if, if they waited till then, which, uh, I don't think is crazy to contemplate. A lot of times they save their most politically charged opinions till the end, uh, of the, uh, of the term. If they do that, then how long has a jury selection typically taken in your experience on these Jan 6th cases? Because if they do that, I, I don't see any way that they can get this case resolved in D.C. before we go to start voting all over the country, especially given how early, early voting is. I mean, I don't know when the official earliest vote will be cast, but certainly it's in October. Um, I, I don't see any way they could get this resolved before the election, but I'm just curious. You've been through so many of these trials. What's a typical jury selection process look like? This one would certainly not be typical, but I would think it would take a couple of months at minimum to see the jury. Well, it should take a few months, right? I mean, I think the longest jury selection process I saw was with the Proud Boys trial, uh, and I think that that was several days. But, look, judges typically also just go run through this jury selection in a day or two. Uh, jury questionnaires were supposed to be filed this Tuesday in this case as they send those out to prospective jurors. They look at who is qualified, disqualified. Then, as you know, they have the voir dire process where individuals come in personally. They're asked by the judge a number of questions, including, you know, their ties to the federal government or DOJ or their inherent bias. So this is going to be, uh, that would be a tough jury selection. But look, you've got Judge Tuckin at the end of the day. She really is the one who will seat this jury. Will she consent to a, a hastened process? Absolutely. Positively, she will. Um, so, you know, Trump and his team certainly are not out of the woods in terms of quickening, you know, rushing to a quick to a quick jury trial. If now look, there's also a slim chance that the Supreme Court won't hear any appellate court ruling. If the appellate court comes down after oral arguments are this Tuesday the ninth, the appellate court three judge panel comes back say a week or two later, they probably are already preparing this. It's two Democrats, one Republican. If it's a 3-0 decision, and then this is eventually ends up at the Supreme Court, they could deny cert. They could just say, no, we're, we're not going to review this. You need four justices to grant cert in a case, meaning they will review the appellate court's decision. Do you trust that we've got four strong justices on the Supreme Court who would take up such a politically charged matter in an election year? I don't. So that's certainly an option. And then the immunity issue is settled. He's denied immunity, and then the process can move forward. So that's another option that this never even makes it to the Supreme Court because they're not required to take it up. But they do have half, uh, sorry, but they do have half of these charges that they have to decide potentially as late as June, right? The, the, that they've already accepted. Exactly. So that is a bigger risk to Jack Smith because that's a certainty. They granted cert on December 13th. Oral arguments will probably take place March and April. And then to your point, a decision rendered by the end of this term, which is the end of June. So they might be, there's a chance that they deny cert on the immunity issue and they, you know, turn around on this 1512C2, which is pretty clear cut that the DOJ has not applied that statute correctly. You had the appellate court judge, Florence Pan, a Democrat, say that this was the first time it's ever been used this way. The appellate court ruling that they're considering is basically three different opinions. It's called a splintered ruling 
which is what one of the judges on the panel said, if you read that ruling and you read the originating case, Fisher versus USA, it's hard to imagine the Supreme Court doesn't drastically uh, reprimand the appellate court or, or revise that judgment, but overturn it outright. Then this 1512C2, and, and look, we already see, and I've reported, you guys have probably seen this. You have defendants who are awaiting sentencing going to judges who have allowed this count, asking them to delay sentencing until the Supreme Court can rule. So you already have judges in D.C. who are wary about what the Supreme Court is going to do with this count. That is a heavier burden on Jack Smith than this immunity issue, in my opinion. Talking to Julie Kelly, Declassified with Julie Kelly is her substack. Uh, you should all go check it out for these kinds of issues that we're talking about today. And Julie, uh, the state ballot issues, Colorado, Maine, perhaps some others that may be coming up here. Uh, do you view this as, I mean, I, I know you think that it's crazy. I think it's crazy. But is it really just frivolous political maneuvering or is there any chance that this could actually work in one of these states? I mean, it really, it could work. It will, again, be up to the Supreme Court. You have Trump filed cert, and Republican officials have filed certiori, which means they're asking the Supreme Court to review a, a case. And so they're asked, they've asked for the Supreme Court to review the Colorado 4-3 decision that declared Trump indeed engaged in insurrection and therefore is disqualified from running for office. I, it's hard to see SCOTUS. I could see them denying the immunity issue before this one. Um, but look, what does this do optics-wise? It continues to fuel the idea that January 6th was an insurrection, that Donald Trump was responsible. It also potentially gives Jack Smith the fodder he needs to file a superseding indictment along those lines, either insurrection, seditious conspiracy, as we've talked about over the past year. So, you know, this all could be evidence he could bring before a grand jury and seeking harsher charges against Donald Trump. And keep in mind, we still have those six unindicted co-conspirators in the indictment, the existing Jack Smith indictment. Those are people like um, Jeffrey Clark, John Eastman, uh, Rudy Giuliani, Sidney Powell. You know, people have taken pleas, people who have been charged in other venues. So, you know, this all those are a few of the things that could be working in Jack Smith's favor right now. But look, this guy is not done. We've seen what he's capable. He's flagrantly violating a court order in the D.C. case by filing court-related motions or trial-related motions, which is why Donald Trump's legal team filed uh, and asked the judge to hold Jack Smith's team in contempt for violating this temporary stay on trial proceeding until there's a decision on the immunity matter. So he doesn't care. None of, As I said, none of the rules, none of the laws, none of the regulations apply to Jack Smith. So this is where that sort of decision, Colorado and Maine, could help him out if he is seeking more criminal indictments against Trump. Uh, last question, Julie, quickly here. Biden is speaking in Valley Forge, Pennsylvania, in uh, about an hour, a day early to celebrate the third anniversary of Jan 6th. Uh, do you think that speech is going to have resonance? Do you think Jan 6th still moves people? I think it is such a sign of desperation. And for me and others who cover this, and thank you both for helping cover my work, it is a sign of desperation. They know the January 6th narrative is unraveling at so many uh, levels. 
public trust in what's happening. You see the Washington Post poll uh, where support of the J6 insurrection storyline is disintegrating. And now you have the Biden campaign saying in some ways January 6th was worse than the Civil War. <laughs> Which is what his deputy deputy campaign no I'm sorry his campaign manager said in a call with the press this week well at least during the Civil War you didn't have insurrectionists storming the Capitol that's what she actually said it's a sign of desperation and should be a positive sign for the rest of us that the truth is coming out the left the Democrats Biden the media are on the run because this whole narrative is collapsing. Thank you, Julie. By the way, as a Civil War history nerd, uh, I can point out the reason there was no attack on the Capitol was because there were lots of forts that surrounded Washington, D.C. during the Civil War. And in fact, if they could have, the South would have taken Washington, D.C. and ended the war. That was the entire point. Uh, thanks, Julie. Yeah. I mean, uh, the, the British burned it down in 1812 just to be mean, just to be mean. They were they were prickly. It's like they had run out of tea and crumpets, and they wanted to just burn down our White House like the mean old Brits they are. Hey, Richmond burned, uh, and much of the South burned. Atlanta uh, got burned down. Um, if you could take a city, you tried. Uh, if you're looking for a way to reduce your monthly expenses in the new year, consider switching your cell phone service to Pure Talk. If your current service is with Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile, you can save as much as $80 a month per phone line with Pure Talk. Get phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network for just 20 bucks a month. That's how the average family saves almost $1,000 a year. You'll also be switching to a wireless company that shares your values. Proud to advertise on programs like this one, Pure Talk. Veteran-owned, their customer service team, all based in the U.S. My 15-year-old has a Pure Talk phone. We use it to stay in touch with him. You can use it to stay in touch with your family as well. How do you switch? Just dial pound 250, say the keywords Clay and Buck. You'll save an additional 50% off your first month. Pure Talk's U.S. customer service team waiting by to serve you. Dial pound 250, say the keywords Clay and Buck to be connected now again Dial pound 250, say Clay and Buck to start off the year saving on wireless with a company you can be proud of, Pure Talk. Make an appointment with the truth. Tune in every day to the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts. Of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, Ooh, a, been the podcast juicy. would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Joy Behar missed Clay while he was out of the country in Australia, and she wants to remind him to get boosted, boosted, and boosted again. Play four. Look at what's happening with these anti-vax people. You know, I said this the other day. I have been boosted and boosted and boosted, so I got COVID. It does not prevent you from getting COVID, but you don't die from it. Right. And yet you have people like this Robert Kennedy Jr. who's going out there and attacking Fauci and saying that it's a bad thing to get He's not saying it's satire. He's actually believing well, I know, it. but this is fake you know? news. And that's another thing. Fake news, alternative facts. All of that started recently. Recently. And to that point, people need to check their sources. I mean, this is we only listen to what we say. I, I'm telling you, we tell the truth. Don't you love that, Clay? When it comes to medical advice, listen to the ladies of The View and ignore the fact that almost nobody is getting this booster. It's not even just a Republican thing anymore. Well, the AARP, I saw this, just sent out to all their members that you need to get your eighth COVID shot. Think about that. The ARP has millions and millions of uh, subscribers. An eighth COVID shot? Eight. I used to make jokes. Maybe it's the ninth one. Maybe it's the tenth one. Eight COVID shots? I mean, this is madness. Absolute insanity. Clay's got to get boosted, boosted, and boosted again. We'll talk more about this. Um, don't let the news of the day distract you from the bill within our federal government that they don't want you to know about. So much so, he's created a video describing his concerns and how you can empower yourself. Tika believes that he's discovered something that could actually trigger the biggest financial crisis in America's history. Quite a claim, but he comes with considerable credibility based on his previous predictions. He's exposing all the details in an online video. It's free for you to watch and learn from. And he gives you three steps you can take to prepare. Go to MoveYourCashNow.com to watch this video. That's MoveYourCashNow.com and learn how to prepare. Paid for by Palm Beach Research Group. Welcome back in. Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. Appreciate all of you hanging out with us. We roll into the weekend, getting uh, 10 days out from what will soon be the Iowa caucuses. Had a great time in Australia. Appreciate 
Michael Barry sitting in, Buck helping to carry the load. Whole family was down there. Fabulous time. I'll continue to tell you all the brilliant things that I learned while in Australia. Buck, did you see Mark Cuban and Elon Musk going at it on Twitter yesterday? Yes, I did. Uh, so I think the best way to attack diversity, the DEIs, the diversity, inclusion, and equity universe that's been created, is by pointing to athletics. And by athletics, I mean if, for instance, you looked at the U.S. men's basketball team. It's the best in the world. We dominate basketball as we dominate many other different uh, different sports as well. The great thing about sports is best man or best woman wins. Sometimes it's the best man pretending to be a woman, but that only exists in states like Ohio, where I don't know if you mentioned Buck, but Mike DeWine, the idiot oh, governor there, yep. uh, decided that he was not going to reject that. But the black uh, dominance of basketball, pretty well established. The 12 best basketball players in the United States right now are all black. Black men represent only 13% of the United States. I mean, not, You're, I mean, isn't, isn't, uh, Jokic the best player in the NBA right now? U.S. men's team. Oh, I'm sorry. You said U.S. men's team. Pardon yeah, me. the yeah. U.S. men's basketball team. Yes. Jokic is the reigning MVP, the Denver Nuggets. That's an impressive, uh, knowledge by you. The Denver Nuggets are the defending champions. I, I just wanted champions. to get some sports knowledge in there to try to make up for my roll tide, uh, disaster. I meant to say, go, who blue. won that one? Go blue. blue. Michigan. Yes. Michigan won and is advancing to play for the national title Monday and good state, a good location of Houston. So arguably two of the five best players in the NBA right now are white. They're both foreign. Luca, uh, Doncic from down in, uh, down in Dallas playing with the Mavericks right now. And then, uh, you've got Djokovic who is playing, uh, sorry, Nicole Jokic who is playing right now. Uh, for the Denver Nuggets. Jokovic is down in Australia where I was. The papers were covering him quite a lot as he gets ready for the Australian Open because miraculously he is allowed in. By the way, no restrictions for anybody out there. Some people are asking. I never got the COVID shot. There are now, there's no mention virtually of COVID anywhere in Australia now. They were wrong on it completely. They are just pretending that it never happened in Australia. I saw zero COVID restriction, zero mention when you walk in, no question, no question even if you got the shot. No questions about it at all. I never got the COVID shot. It's not shameful that they don't have restrictions. It's shameful that they pretend like they didn't become East Germany with koalas. It's crazy. I was told a great, I went out for drinks with, uh, with a guy down there, travels back and forth to, uh, to the United States quite a lot, is involved in media business. He said, Buck, and I couldn't get over this, that after the U.S. had opened up and Australia remained doing its COVID insanity, he said that you could fly uh, on a flight from L.A. to uh, to Australia. And when you hit Australian international waters, after you had been on the airplane for 12 or 13 hours, they would come on the PA and tell everyone they needed to put a mask on. Think about how crazy that is. You take off in the U.S., you fly, for any of you who have ever been on one of these flights, and I had never been on a flight this long before, you fly for 14 or 15 hours. 
And when they hit Australian international waters, which is probably only an hour left in the flight or so, they came on the PA and required everyone to put masks on. That's how crazy Australia was. Uh, but I, I, this all came up because, again, the 12 U.S. men's basketball players right now are all black. There are only about 13% of the United States population that is black. So if you wanted the U.S. men's basketball team to look like America and to accurately reflect our diversity, do you know what you'd have to do, Buck? You'd have to fire 10 black guys. You'd have to fire only two black guys would be allowed to be on the U.S. men's basketball team. You'd have to fire 10 black guys, and you'd have to replace them with inferior players who were uh, white, Asian, or Hispanic. And, uh, and Mark Cuban was out and Mark Cuban is a real disappointment to me, Buck, because he used to be a rebel, used to be kind of a creative thinker, a disruptor of sorts. That's what he was with the, uh, with the Dallas Mavericks when he bought the team. Now he's just gelded himself. He just has absolutely no balls and he runs around on social media, just curled up in the fetal position all the time. And Elon Musk called him out and said, uh, when Mark uh, Cuban was out here saying, talking about why DEI is so great, Elon Musk just responded, cool, so when should we expect to see a short, white, Asian woman on the Mavs? Uh, which is very, very funny, but again, sports is a perfect example of how diversity and inclusion not only can make no sense, but how it could actually destroy a team. And using the U.S. men's basketball team is a great example because if you really wanted a accurate representation of America, you'd have to fire a bunch of black guys because the U.S. men's basketball team is only, is, is made up of all black men. It's only 13% black. And I just, I always think that's a perfect representation of how broken all of this is. You can have equality and not have equal outcomes. And that doesn't seem to be something that registers in the left. And you never hear any complaint about a absence of diversity when any group that is, uh, that is considered diverse dominates, right? Uh, and that's why the U.S. men's basketball team is a good example. But Elon Musk asking when there's going to be an Asian woman on the Dallas Mavericks team is also pretty funny because obviously no woman could ever make any pro men's team. Well, you saw, uh, you saw that Mark Cuban was essentially talking in circles, which is what always ends up happening with people who want to defend this DEI stuff, but appear rational because they say, no, it's not about just, it's about like the totality of the picture and you're not changing standards and it's just about finding talent where other, well, then why do you need it? If the people, if people are just as good, why do you have to change the standards? You can't change standards and then say you're not allowed to say that you change standards. The whole system is built on this. You can't yeah. say, oh, we're not looking at the SAT and grades anymore in college admissions for certain people, or we're not, you know, or we're going to look at them very differently and then say, hey, you're not allowed to point out that we've lowered standards for certain groups. The whole system is built on lies. That's why it's, it's in it. By the way, affirmative action is one of the first things, one of the first things that I encountered as a like young adult where I was like, no, this is wrong. It was one of the first things that made me a conservative. I mean, I was like 15, but I remember seeing this and because it had to do with college applications. You know, cause I went to a school where I had, uh, you know, I had Filipino and Korean classmates whose parents spoke almost no English who came here penniless 
And, you know, they were getting 1580s on their SATs and 4.0s, and they were trying to get, you know, extra money to go to state school. Not that it's bad to go to state school, but, you know, the SUNY system is not as elite as some of the other state schools. Meanwhile, the black and Latino kids in my class were picking which Ivy League school they wanted to go to. Not getting into an Ivy League school, it was like, oh, well, you know, you get to go. After a while, people look at this like, what is this? It's the racial spoil system, and it's broken. And the argument that we have ended up in a better place, I I think is totally wrong. Um, Because the idea was in the 1960s that eventually you would get judged based on the content of your character and not the color of your skin, and somehow we've ended up judging everything based on the content, uh, not on the content of your character, but the color of your skin. That's an MLK quote, uh, what he hoped for in the 1960s. Also, Buck, it doesn't even make sense from the diversity argument anymore, and the whole diversity argument c- comes out of a refusal to strike down affirmative action in the Supreme Court and instead argue that diversity itself can be a, a goal worthy of, uh, of of pursuing. But if you actually even read that, the goal of the diversity argument was to allow a variety of perspectives. What it's ended up with is you have a whole lot of people who may look cosmetically different but all have the exact same opinion. I mean, what really matters is not diversity of color, it's diversity of thought. I went to, I mean, there, there were kids, I went to Amherst with, uh, and had classmates, uh, who were black, who had parents who were university professors and doctors, of and course. those kids went to private, you know, $40,000 year private schools in New York and Boston, and then, or in, went to prep schools like Exeter and Andover and these places that cost now like 70 grand a year or something. And they were in class with me, and it's like, what, what was the, what was the oppression that was faced here? I mean, you know, and by the way, did some of them get in with better grades and better SATs than other class? Probably, but I don't know because I know there were kids who got in who got a leg up because of their ethnicity. I mean, this was just obvious. This was, this was what's going on. But see, when you talk about it, they're like, you're not allowed to talk about it. You say, why is that? Here's a way to think about it too. Prince Harry and Meghan Markle's kids, they're going to identify as black if they apply to American schools. Now, the reality is they're famous, so they probably get in anyway. But when you're talking about, I don't know, what percentage black is Prince Harry and Meghan Markle's kid? An eighth? Is the math right on that? I think the math is right on that. They'll be like an eighth black. Are you really telling me that Prince Harry and Meghan Markle's kids are in some way discriminated against and need to be rectified from affirmative action? It's crazy. It's crazy that you have kids who are incredibly privileged that use race as the determining factor to be able to get into a, a school. You know, you were, you were gone, Clay, when they finally uh, were able to push Claudine Gay, the president of Harvard, oh, to yeah. resign. She's keeping her $900,000 salary to be a professor in the political science department. But the reason that they, there was, I mean, there was a lot of reasons, but one of the reasons there was such a frenzy on the left to defend her is that what was exposed was that not only was, th- this wasn't someone who got some tie-breaking advantage, and I hate that too, by the way, the notion of, oh, it's just for tie, if it were just for tie-breaking advantage, they wouldn't get so angry at the prospect of it going away. It right. is massive. Elizabeth Warren wouldn't have been able to teach at community college if she weren't claiming to be Native American, and all of a sudden she's teaching at Harvard, okay? We know the system. We know how it works. Um, with Claudine Gay, 
this is a woman they elevated and celebrated as the president of Harvard University who also was not qualified to teach at a community college. That's the truth. She's a plagiarist who did no real scholarship or writing whatsoever of any significance. That's the part that amazes me. She didn't even write a book. I mean, all she does is be a professor. She wrote, she published 11 articles. I went back, like, let's leave aside the plagiarism aspects of her career. The fact that she was able to become a president of a university without any substantial element of scholarship and, uh, and impressive work is the most staggering aspect of this is just how underqualified she was. But that's what I mean. The, 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 this, this, this is what Mark Cuban was saying too, which is always the big lie about this stuff, which is, oh, it's just about holistic view and tiebreaker and they use all this kind of euphemism. No, it's not. All right. They had a woman that honestly, I don't know if she'd be really qualified to teach like a, a high school civics course who was the president of Harvard. Yeah. You know, so, no, it's so, crazy. You know, and, and people say, oh, but look at all the, like the guy, the people that came before her. I'm like, Larry Summers was the Treasury Secretary before he was the president of Harvard. Like, it's a pretty big job. Also, why should you care about anybody who had a job before any of us were alive? Mm. But why mm. should we be judging that anyway? Yeah, it's true. You know, online identity theft is a silent crime that gets very little attention in the news cycle. You'd think that with more than a million reported identity theft scams in just the past year, though, it would get more attention. Well, we're giving it attention because we want to protect you. Because identity theft can be devastating to individuals, to whole families. Look, I had my identity stolen on your own. Their systems are second to none in monitoring online transactions looking for evidence. Once they spot something, they notify you immediately to confirm or deny the suspicious transaction. They're always on alert, always searching for vulnerabilities to help you out. If you do become a victim of identity theft, LifeLock assigns a restoration specialist who will work with you to fix it, saving hours of time, not to mention anxiety. It's easy to help protect yourself with LifeLock. Join now. And save 25% off your first year with promo code BUCK. Call 1-800-LIFELOCK or head to lifelock.com and use promo code BUCK for 25% off. Clay and Buck, 24-7. Subscribe today. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2 of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts. Avito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. 
Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of... Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring bit. out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, Ooh, a, been the podcast juicy. would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Well, we're closing up shop here on the return show for uh, Mr. Clay Travis, who now gets to um, fall into a pile on his bed and catch up on some sleep after 24-hour travels. Clay, good to have you back. Um, you know, next week we get right into it with the uh, debates and the town halls, and we got voting that's actually going to happen. I- I'm excited uh, because I really just... I don't need everyone telling me that they know what's going to happen in any election anymore. I just want to see what is going to happen in some of these elections so we can get past the the prognostication phase into the analysis and what does it mean component of it all. Um, but between now and then, I'm also going to, with my wife and my Australian, Australian Labradoodle, um, end up watching the Barbie movie, I believe, at some point this weekend. I have committed to this. I think I have to see it. And I'm going to have a fulsome review for everyone next week on the show. I'm curious how many of these movies you watched. I don't catch up on movies very often. The Wi-Fi didn't work on my flight back from Australia yesterday. So I watched four full movies. I watched John Wick 1 and 2, which I had never seen, starring Keanu Reeves. You've Not, never seen the John I've Wick never movies? seen John Wick wow. movies. Okay. I had never seen Love Actually which everybody talks about is like the greatest romantic comedy ever. So I watched that. Uh, and I uh, also watched the Blackberry movie um, about the rise of Blackberry. And then it, which all four of them really good. I went four for four. I, you know, they had basically all the movies. I had 15 hours on the airplane. So I sat and I watched all four of those movies and I thought they were all very, very solid. You're way um, nicer about movies than I am. I I'm I feel like these days, the movies. Well, those some of those. I are saw. I I responded. I saw you complaining about uh, the number Ferrari. of ads that you had to watch before. Oh, Ferrari. the ads. Yes. It, it's. I mean, they might as well just strap you down in the chair and hold your eyeballs, you know, to the screen or something. It was so. Un- it's ridiculous. I mean, I old was- man Buck, you're both angry about the number of ads. Uh, and movies, and also, what did you say, that jeans were the most overrated of all the uh, clothing? Clothing items. Yeah, jeans are overrated. Jeans are overrated. People can get mad at me. They say, oh, but what about when you're working or stuff? I mean, I get yourself some, like, 5'11 cargo pants or something. You'll be fine. You don't need jeans. We, we might have to have a debate about this, because my opinion is the most overrated of all clothing items is the scarf. I feel I, like I'm that's really, a shot at me because I've worn scarves indoors, everybody. I'm just kidding. I, I really like am very, very anti-scarf, especially on men. I understand for women, oh, the scarf adds flavor and color and everything else. Any man who wears a sc- scarf, I'm going to be honest, I trust less. What am I supposed to wear in my smoking jacket and my <laughs> slippers, Clay? A scarf, I, obviously. 
I also don't think it makes you warmer at all. Just wear a coat. We'll talk about more. Have a good weekend. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.